All right, as you can tell, uh, my voice is shot, and uh, this week, uh, on Monday, I ended up flat on my back in bed, just feeling absolutely horrible. I was still there on Wednesday, and so on Wednesday, I said, oh, no, like, how, how's this going to work this week? And so I called my friend Ben, and Ben has uh, been here uh, before he came in July when I was down at his church in Indianola, and Ben said, yeah, I'll come bail you out, Dave, no problem. Uh, and so... Ben is going to come and preach. If, if you don't know Ben or haven't met Ben, um, I, I met Ben in probably the year 2000. Sounds about right. Uh, ben was a, a, a student at Indianola High School, and Ben found Jesus. Uh, and, and I have got to watch Ben grow up in the faith to the point where he is a mature, godly man who is a pastor shepherding people in, in and out and every week, and he handles the word well and accurately. And so Ben is going to come talk about the Holy Spirit today, and I want to invite you up now, Ben. All right. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate that, brother. I'm going to grab my Bible and my notes I left over here. Good morning, church. Hope you guys are having a, uh, an excellent morning, and if you're not, I'm sorry about that. But we're going to have a good uh, morning kind of starting right now. Because as a faith family, we get to hear God's word together, and uh, that's a really awesome thing to be able to do together. My name's Ben Segabart, as Dave said, and uh, I'm a pastor at Indianola Community Church, and uh, uh, Indianola, if you haven't been there, it's an awesome little community, so I'd encourage you to come on out sometime. We have fun out there. But uh, I've got big news in my family, and the big news in my family is that we found out since last time that I'd been here, we found out that my wife is pregnant with our fourth child. And so, yeah, man, I'm excited about that, and to which point, many of you guys are probably right now thinking, this guy really did grow up under Pastor Dave, he just doesn't know when to quit. It's not six, okay? It's four. And so, um, but we're really excited about that, and um, really, you guys have big news too, and uh, because you guys are getting ready to open this awesome uh, ministry center opportunity for ministry called The Avenue. And I hope you guys are really excited about that. Um, that truth, as I considered it, was really one of the, the reasons why I wanted to bring the message that I brought with me today uh, about the Holy Spirit of God. And uh, so I'm excited uh, for my family that's growing. I'm excited for your family that's uh, growing and will be growing very much. And so uh, with today's kind of standalone message on the Holy Spirit, if uh, you've been around church very long or even if you haven't and you think much about the Holy Spirit, I just want to just relieve you a little bit. It's, I'm not going to get too crazy today, but we are going to uh, talk about God's Holy Spirit. And depending on what your experience has been with the Holy Spirit, it draws in all these different ideas and feelings and so forth. And when I was in college, I had the opportunity to visit several different churches. And uh, some people wrongly think that every church is the same. They're like, oh, I went to a church once and this happened and that happened and it was crazy or they were mean or this whatever. And so they don't go anymore because they wrongly think every church is the same. But I encourage people all the time, every church is as unique as the people in it, Right? Because God's, the body of Christ that God is making is a very diverse, it is ethnically diverse, it is age diverse, right? And it is all across the globe. It is amazing. And so every church that you go to is as unique as the people in it. And so I wanted to experience this. So started going to some different churches and experiencing some churches are super lively and outspoken and kind of going wild. Another church is really reserved, really somber, really quiet, right? And I was at this church, and, and they were just really letting loose, man. They were just rocking and, and really 
swaying and screaming and hooting and hollering. I'm like, this, this is different. You know, this is, this is lively. I had not experienced this before. And so I'm kind of watching and boy, it just really starts to ramp up and they start going, the person's, you know, uh, singing and then somebody starts singing a totally different song. And I'm like, okay. And somebody starts running around in circles. I'm like, wow, look at that, you know? And, and, and so I start to just plainly, I get distracted. And I start to watch all the stuff going on. And then I, I felt kind of convicted. I'm like, Lord, I'm here in this place today uh, to learn from you, uh, to worship you corporately with others. And so I need to have my focused thoughts and attentions on you. And so uh, I, I just kind of closed my eyes because it, it, was, it was really going on, you know. And the girl in front of me was just all out body rocking. Anybody here ever body rock? Maybe not in church, but the right song comes on. She was body rocking. And uh, so I just close my eyes and I'm just bowing like this and just kind of praying and thinking about the Lord. And I get a stiff backhand right in the face as I'm praying because she was just body rocking. I thought, whoa, you cannot miss that at that point. And so I don't know what your experience has been uh, with the Holy Spirit, but uh, maybe some of you would have a lot more moderate experiences in your life where you think uh, uh, you're reading God's word and you say, uh, man, this, this verse just jumped right out at me. It, it wasn't just like the written word of God. It was like God put it there today for me to read because I needed it. And we would say that the Holy Spirit was in that, right? That we would say that God in his grace and mercy uses spirit to illuminate a text and minister it to you. But let's not miss the fact that the Holy Spirit is alive in that instance, right? Uh, other people would say, you know, I really have been praying a lot and I've talked to some other people and I, and I feel very confident that God is leading me in this direction. And we would say that that would be a a leading of the Holy Spirit, that God in his very presence is is leading. And so whatever background uh, you have today, wherever you're kind of coming from when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we need to quickly and uh, readily admit that the Holy Spirit is very real. And some of you would maybe, if you were honest, even though we're in church today, so you gotta be honest, right? If you were honest with yourself, you'd say, you know what, Ben? Uh, I haven't had an extreme experience and I haven't had a moderate experience. And if I was really honest with you today, I would say that I haven't had much of any experience with the Lord in that way at all. Uh, And maybe I read the Bible every once in a while and I go to church because I'm here at Waukee with this wonderful body of believers. But if I was honest with you, I'd say I have not had much of an encounter and experience with God's Holy Spirit today. And so as we move today, today is a... uh, it's really a topical sermon. It's, this is just one time kind of splash that I can make here. We're going to move through this idea of the Holy Spirit. We're going to go to many different verses. If you're looking for a central verse to study this week in your uh, life transformation group or any other group of Christians that you get together with, I would say John chapter 16, 5 through 15 would be a great passage for you all to just kind of camp on. But here's the deal. Because I'm going to be bouncing around some today, I'm going to encourage you to take some pictures of the screens or write Uh, down some notes of some verses so that you can look them up later because we're not going to have tons of time to sit in much context. And uh, uh, I don't want to just proof text this thing. I want to go through this accurately. So I want you guys to to study this on your own. My hope and prayer is that God uh, impacts you with this word today. And uh, so I would encourage you to do that. Uh, Do that. Take some pictures, take some notes, and remember uh, God's Bible is full of encouraging his people to remember. And uh, there's a really good propensity after you eat high V tonight or this afternoon, you'll forget like what was going on. So write it down. Uh, here's, here's the deal. Uh, Genesis chapter one, verse two, God makes it known to his people that his spirit is real. 
Verse 2 says this, and uh, verse 1 is, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and then verse 2, the earth was formless and void, and the darkness over the surface of the deep, and catch it, the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. The Spirit of God was there right at the very beginning. It didn't take very long. God wanted everyone to know. His Spirit is real. His Spirit was at creation. It was there. And as you continue to move through the Old Testament, some of this uh, confusion, I think, in our understanding of the, Old Test- of, of the Spirit of God is that it seems like God works differently in the Old Testament with his Holy Spirit than he does in the New Testament. And so maybe some of you have heard this idea that in the Old Testament that the Spirit of God would rest on people, right? Everyone say on. On, that the Holy Spirit would come down and rest on people. And it was kind of unique because it would only rest on certain individuals during certain situations. Most of the time, these people were leaders of the nation. Uh, they could be prophets. Uh, they could be military leaders. They could be kings. And so that the Spirit of God would come down them and it would come down mainly for a specific task or purpose. And God would accomplish that task or pur- purpose. And then it would go back up and it would kind of come up off of them. And we see this all over in the scripture for Micah was given boldness to preach. If you write down Micah 3.8, Micah 3.8, it says, on the other hand, Micah says, I am filled with power, with the spirit of the Lord, he says, and with justice and courage. Micah was given boldness to preach from God's spirit. It came down on him to do God's good work. Also, we see Samson, Samson in Judges 14.6, the spirit of the Lord, it says, came down on him mightily to accomplish what God wanted to accomplish. And so here you have Samson, this prophet, uh, or this actually military leader, and, and it comes down on him for power. And he has physical strength. You go, oh man, that would be, that would be pretty cool. Well, David, it came down when he was repenting of his sin when he, that he had committed with Bathsheba. Psalm 51, 11, David says to the Lord, he says, Lord, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. And so we get this image that he has the Holy Spirit and that he doesn't want that separation of God's presence, and so he's begging God to, that he would keep it. Saul, Joshua, Elisha, Elijah, all given special kind of endowment of God's spirit for God's purposes in the Old Testament. And some of us, again, if we were honest, we'd be like, man, that sounds awesome. Like, I want to have a Samson moment where I could just like tear something apart, like a, some, some Holy Spirit, like, let's get this on, right? Or, or boldness to preach, God, come down in power, and I'm going to just preach it and my friends are going to repent and turn to you, Lord, and it's going to be awesome. I want that. But in the Old Testament, the thing that's really interesting is we want to have it that way, and they looked forward to having what we have today. Did did you understand that? Did you ever think about that? In the Old Testament, they actually looked forward to a time when God's presence would reside with his people, and it wouldn't ascend and descend, but it would stay with them. Ezekiel 36 26 through 27 says this. He says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a, uh, and, and give you a heart of flesh. Verse 27, he says, I will put my spirit, capital S, that's deity, God's spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. There's several other places in the Old Testament where they're looking forward to the day where God will be with his people in this way. And this is amazing because now in the New Testament, we don't have just this few select leaders where we look at them and say, man, they're amazing and they're awesome because God is with them. Let's follow them because they have God's presence. Instead, the body of Christ looks around and we say, God is with us. 
God isn't just empowering one or two specific strong leaders to carry this thing out. He's empowering an entire body of believers. And when you think about in the Old Testament, there was this place called the Holy of Holies. And some of you guys I know have a lot of Bible understanding and other of you guys don't have so much of the Bible understanding. That's okay. I'm going to go over it anyways. And in the Holy of Holies was a very real presence of God. And you go in, in your unrighteousness and in your sin and you die, right? And, we're, and you would think all the Jewish people would have a very great understanding of the Holy of Holies. And they had great respect and admonition for the Holy of Holies because of the presence of God. But we know that when Jesus died on the cross, the veil that separated humanity from the holy presence of God was torn from top to bottom, right? Can you imagine being in the temple when the veil gets torn from top to bottom? And they're thinking everything they've ever heard is people die when they go in there unrepentant, save maybe one person, right? And even he might die. It was, it's incredible what God did. When Jesus died on the cross and he opened, he tore open the veil. And what's the symbol here? The symbol is that any person on planet earth has the opportunity to have a very real presence of God within them everywhere that they go, that the Holy of Holies resides inside of men, that we become the temple. This is beautiful. And it's not because we're good. And it's not because God thought we were cool and other people weren't. It's because in his righteousness, a sacrifice had been made and God did something new. And we get to experience it. And prophets of old and kings and leaders of old looked forward to what we have. And we think wrongly, I wish that it would happen kind of like back then where God would just force me to do something and then he'd leave me. And I know that he would guide me and that he was with the people, but God isn't doing that thing anymore. So today what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at three ministries of the Holy Spirit. We're going to go through that pretty quickly. Then we're going to kind of camp and slow down on three ways that we numb the Spirit of God inside of us. Because I think that that many Christians would pretty quickly uh, say that they don't feel and sense the Spirit of God in a way that they would really like to. So we're going to talk about how the uh, Holy Spirit is numbed in our life. But we're first going to talk about three ways that God ministers to us through his spirit. And the first one is this. What is the ministry of the Holy Spirit? The first one is this. And maybe you've heard these before because I've heard them several times, uh, but it's really helpful to kind of grab and wrap your mind around. He will comfort you. He will comfort you. John 14, 16 through 18. The Holy Spirit will comfort you. The text says in uh, verse 16, uh, Jesus is speaking and he says, uh, he's talking about leaving. He's talking about all this awesome stuff. I'm the way, the truth, and the life he just got done saying. And he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you. How long? Forever, forever. Oh, I don't, do I not have that text up there for you? That he may be with you forever. The spirit of truth, he is the spirit of truth and the world cannot receive but it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. And I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So let's just, let's just pause for a second and ask this question. Do you guys need comfort? Do you need comfort? Have you been through something and you looked around and you said to yourself, where are my friends? Where is my family? I need comfort. And maybe in that dark night of the soul moment, you cried out to God. And I'm here to tell you, God knew exactly where you were, exactly what you were going through. God in his goodness, grace, and mercy is there to comfort you through his very Holy Spirit. His presence with you and in you. 
And I want you guys to grab this because if this is just like old cliche Christianese stuff, man, it ain't gonna mount to a hill of beans when it really hits the fan and you're like, well, I said that God is with me, but I don't feel him. You need to take it to the bank. God is with the believers in Christ and he will give you comfort. If you've lost a job, you have money situations and you're like, ah, I'm a bank account. You're just afraid. God is here to comfort you. Not to always give you what you want, but to always give you what you need. This is good news. Do you need supernatural comfort? A comfort that just somebody's pat on the back and like, man, it'll be all right. Or did you think about it this way? And you don't need that. You just need comfort from the inside. God's here to do that because he's good. Not because we force him, because he's good. Number two is this. He will counsel you. John 16, 13 says this. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into what truth? All, all the truth. He'll guide you into all the truth. And it continues to say, for he will not uh, speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will disclose to you what is to come. The Holy Spirit will speak to you the exact words of God. And I think that this is a really great thing. Have you ever needed counsel? Did you ever have a time where you sat in your car for a brief minute and you said to yourself, I don't exactly know what to do? If I'm alone on that, I don't know, I I am kind of a dummy, so I don't know what to do. I have option A, I have option B. I have 40 options, right? I don't know what to do. I feel like I have no options. And you need counsel. And God is here to say he is a counselor. If you say, no, I don't know about that, then you are saying that the word of God is a lie. Because he says he will counsel you and he will guide you into what truth? All the truth. He does not leave his people in the dark. He counsels them. He will comfort them and he will counsel them. And I would ask, uh, it is good and right to get counsel from a multitude of uh, counselors. Oftentimes we ask the people who uh, tend to be our friends, and there's many of us in this room today, who would probably confess that our best and closest friends are not Christian people, and yet we'll ask them for advice. And I would say here, start by talking with the Lord, right? Start there. We get certain news and the first thing we want to do is text so-and-so. We're going to blast something online or we're going to let, you know, our friend, we're going to call our friend so we can just, oh, what, da, 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 da. can you believe they did that? Or I can't, uh, I had a hard day at work. Can you start with the Lord? He's there to comfort you. He's there to counsel you. <clears throat> the last one is this, that he will convict you. <clears throat> he will convict you. John 16, 8 through 11. John 16, 8 through 11. This is Jesus again speaking. He says, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. And he, when he comes, he will convict the world uh, concerning sin because they do not believe in me, concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me, and concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. So here's the deal. This is like the less happy one, right? Like the less motivational speech one. But this one's good, all right? This one's really, really good because God wants his people to be very different. God wants his people to be holy like he's holy and God wants to empower his people to be that. God does not leave his people in the dark when it comes concerning sin and unrighteousness. He wants his people to know right where he stands. That's why he puts us in community here. That's why he gives us his word. That's why he gives us his Holy Spirit, the holy of holies inside of us to convict us. And oftentimes, just like, you know, in the garden, and Adam and Eve turn, and they, 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 they turn away from God, and they hide, and they kind of do all of that. We do the same thing. 
And the Holy Spirit starts to talk to us. We're like, I don't really want to think about that right now. I don't really want to dwell on that right now. We read something, we shut the book, we're done right right now. And God wants to convict us because he wants to bring life to us and life abundant. And he'll do that through his word. Um, I think it's also funny, I'll just pause for a quick minute on this. I don't have to run through a list of sins this morning to get you to think about the sin that you struggle with most. And that's because the Holy Spirit of God in you just goes, if I say, what's the number one sin you're struggling with? Bing, it rises right to the top. You go, and everybody kind of like, like moves a little in their seat. That's the Holy Spirit of God. He doesn't want you to escape that. He doesn't want you to turn and hide from that. He wants you to walk in to his light and be changed by his truth for his glory. Let me just say this too. God doesn't want just a whole bunch of really good, like happy, nice people. He's not about that. He's about his glory. And so he wants to comfort you. He wants to counsel you. He wants to convict you to put him on the throne of your life. Now, here's the thing. Uh, Romans 8, 8, 11, it's an awesome like coffee cup verse. Uh, Romans 8, 11, and the context around it says this. Uh, and it's an awesome context, man. You get to read into that a little bit. Romans is so cool. It says this, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. You ever heard that verse? A couple of you maybe have heard that. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead. So they start preaching about the Holy Spirit. And you're like, oh yeah, yeah, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead. But again, if we're honest today, because we're just going to dig into this, we're like, I don't feel the power that raised Jesus from the dead inside of my heart. So this is either true or a lie. And I want to say that uh, there are reasons why we don't feel that. And these are the reasons we're going to start moving through it. The first one is this, we resist the Spirit of God. We resist the Spirit of God. Uh, Acts 7.51, everyone say resist. Resist, man. We resist the Spirit of God. And so uh, the context here is uh, Judas Iscariot is dead. Uh, he hung himself, and uh, you've got the, some new disciples coming around. Stephen is called as a, a disciple. And so Stephen, uh, filled with the power and the Spirit of God, goes to the religious leaders, which we got to listen up. A lot of times we're like, oh, I know what Pharisees all are, about, are all about. Well, here's the, the deal. We're in church today. Our culture would probably say that we're the religious elite right here. So we need to listen anytime the Pharisees are doing something because we're the religious elite. And so Stephen's preaching against the, to the religious elite, you guys, deaf ears, and you did this, you crucified the Lord. And, and he's really, he's just really ripping it uh, in Acts chapter seven. And it gets to this point, he says this, uh, Acts chapter seven, verse 51, he says, you men who are stick-necked, stick-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, always, what's the word? Resisting. You're always resisting the Holy Spirit. You're doing just as your fathers did. This was Stephen's message to them, at which the, the time the guys start getting really crazy, and we resist the Holy Spirit as well, I would say. And in the long run, what ended up happening? They, nine verses later, Stephen's dead, okay? They didn't like that word very much at all. He's dead. But I would, I would say this, we resist the Holy Spirit too. So who, how many guys like show and tell? Anybody like show and tell? A couple of you. Just a couple? No, yeah, this is some group participation. So we're going to do a little group participation. So I asked Nicholas to come up this morning. Who here is a fan of Nicholas, at least? Yeah. All right. We're fans of Nicholas. That's good. So here's, here's the deal. Uh, I want to illustrate resistance to you guys this morning. I want to illustrate resistance. So here's the deal. Um, we don't want to be resistant to the Holy Spirit, but I feel like a lot of the time we are. So I'll have Nicholas because he just intimidates me standing here. Here's the deal. <clears throat> 
I'm on the podium, and he's not. Like, I'm on the platform. So I have Nicholas take the other end of this rope here. It's kind of like tied up. Doesn't really matter. So here, here's the deal. Uh, Nicholas is a big guy, and I'm a little guy. And I'm cool with that. I can, I can own up to that. I've been a little guy my whole life, all right? But uh, Nicholas, in this illustration, he, he is the Holy Spirit of God, full of power and might and authority, right? I was going to have another brother come here, but I, 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 we talked to Nicholas, so he's going to do this just, just fine. So uh, you guys got plenty of big dudes around this joint. So here's the deal. If, uh, if, if I were to get in an arm wrestling competition with Nicholas, look at, our, look at his forearms. Jeez. His arms, his shoulders. Look at this, dude. If I was to get in an arm wrestling competition with Nicholas, who would win? Nick, Nick would win. If we were to get in a tug-of-war competition with this big rope here, who's going to win? Nick. If, if we were to just get in an all-out, drag-out fight, who's going to win? Well, I fight dirty, Nicholas. is a gentleman. <laughs> He's a gentleman. Come on now. No, you guys are getting the hang of it, so this is how it works. Uh, in this illustration, Nicholas is the Holy Spirit. He's full of power and might and strength. He could drag me around this stage. He could drag me around this sanctuary. Uh, no problem. But instead, the Holy Spirit of God is kind and compassionate with us. God says that I will be with you everywhere you go, right? And so in this illustration, if it, notice that the rope is tight, right? And in my life, I like to rule and reign my life. Anybody kind of like to rule and reign their life? Yeah, sadly but truly. And so I say, man, I'm not happy and something's wrong in my life and I think I need a new job. I think I need a new job. So I just start to go over here. Look what happens. Nicholas goes with me. He could stop that, couldn't he? But he didn't. I say, man, my wife, she's just we're fighting all the time. There's always issues and always conflict and it's always bad and my kids are all messing up and, and I know what I need. I need a new wife. I need, I need a new wife. So I start to walk over here. Maybe just a girlfriend, right? Some people do that, right? Or I say, hey, shiny things, shiny things. I love shiny things, man. I worked at a Harley dealership for four years. And so I just start to go over here. Look at what the Holy Spirit does. He goes with me. But notice the rope is always tight. Why is the rope always tight? He's not a lead weight anchor in my life. He's a guide. The Holy Spirit is there to guide us and to direct us and to lead us into all the truth. And so if I were to quit guiding my life, Nicholas the Holy Spirit is going to guide me if I'd stop for a minute and let him. Thanks, brother. Good, good job. Nicholas is the Holy Spirit. Give him a round of applause. He's a good. <clears throat> we do not want to be stiff-necked, uncircumcised in heart, religious people who resist the Holy Spirit of God and continue to do so when God wants to, in reality, comfort us and help us and guide us into all the truth. How about this? Anybody got a construction worker or musician that has calluses? Isn't that like you have calluses or you're in art or something where you have calluses on your hands? You, you know, what's a callus? A callus is the result of a point of pressure and friction over time. A point of pressure and friction over time. And here's the deal. We become callous to God's Holy Spirit as we resist him. So at first, sometimes it's really, really clear. And then over time, we're like, ah, I don't really know. I don't really know. Because we become callous to what God is prompting us to do in our life. And it's a sad, sad thing. We cannot say that it's no big deal. You know, I know that uh, God's Holy Spirit tends to speak. Uh, even in the Old Testament, God's voice spoke to the prophet Elijah in a still, small voice. 
And we're in a culture that is loaded with very loud voices, huge ad campaigns. They want our attention. There's a lot of money at stake here, and everyone's vying for our attention. God doesn't have to do that. He's Lord and he's sovereign. He doesn't have to do that. There's a beckon for your attention. All he has to do is whisper in a still small voice. All he has to do is give a little tug. He is Lord and he's in control. And, and, and we can become resistant and callous. And it's not just uh, kind of bad. It's terrible. It's terrible because he's still the Lord. The second thing that we do is this. We quench. Why do we not feel the power and the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives? We resist him and we quench him. We quench him. So the other kind of illustration, because I like show and tell, we're going to do this. <clears throat> we quench the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 19 is this. The Apostle Paul kind of gets on this run-on sentence, which he's infamous for doing, and he goes through these bullet points. And verse 16, he says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. How often do we pray? All the time, right? In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you. What's God's will? That we give thanks. That's good, right? That's good. And then he says this in verse 19. Do not quench the spirit. If you're looking for a Bible verse to just think about, here's a super short, easy one, right? Do not quench the spirit. And, uh, it's kind of interesting. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, uh, in the Old Testament, or in the New Testament, Acts chapter 2, Pentecost happens, and all these miracles are kind of going on, and, and, and these flames of fire come down on the heads of the believers there in Pentecost, right? If you're familiar with it, read it. Acts chapter 2, flames of fire come down. And historically, a flame has symbolized the, the presence and the Spirit of God uh, because of what we saw at, at Pentecost at Acts chapter 2. And you think, well, that's kind of weird. Flames of fire don't sit on our heads today. That's because uh, God was making an exclamation point to this whole idea that now today that his Spirit resides in people, not on. It's, he's inside of us. And so uh, his Holy Spirit comes down as a flame and resides in us. Uh, these aren't just gonna, supposed to be like clever, cute little illustrations. Like, I want you guys to think about this and to remember it. That's why I'm doing this. And so we got this, this flame inside of us uh, that is the Holy Spirit of God. Everyone who's placed their hope and faith in Christ, who's repented, knew you were separated from God and bought, been brought near because of what Jesus did, not because of what you did. Uh, there's a flame inside of us in the Holy, called the Holy Spirit. Now, here's the deal. In, in the Old Testament, uh, this word heart, or when they talked about the heart, uh, sometimes when we talk about a man with a lot of heart today, we think that he's kind of like a girly man who cries a lot that maybe talks in a lisp, right? Like that, that's not, in the Old Testament, when they had a man who was full of heart, uh, what, what it was is they're talking about not an emotional individual, it's a person who has in their very core conviction, right? And from our heart isn't just our emotions, in the Old Testament, from our heart comes our will. The center and emotional seat, our desires come from our heart and they flow out to who we are, right? Our decision-making center is really in our heart, the Old Testament would say. And so it's not just emotional, it's our will and decisions and all of that. And so what happens when the Holy Spirit comes in is God occupies that space in our heart. Our will changes, our emotions change, Right? All of that changes because God is in our heart. But here's the thing that we do. We quench the spirit of God. 
Because we take other things, this is just a chunk of wax, and so I have this burning candle here, and it's just a chunk of wax, and we take other things as God's ruling and reigning in our heart, and we take other things that are not God, and they could be good things, they could be our kids, they could be our job, they can be uh, even our spouse, they could be very good things, and we move those things into the center where, of our heart, where God and God alone should be ruling and reigning, Right? Now, this candle, it's going to melt the wax, right? What's going to happen as the wax melts? What's that? Somebody nice and loud because I'm kind of quenches, quenches the fire, right? The flame gets smaller and smaller. And this, this flame, it kind of eats down the wax. It eats at it a little bit, but it just quenches it down. As we leave the thing in the center, where it ought not be in the first place, where God and God alone should dwell. Here, here's the thing, brothers and sisters. I, I, I feel uh, really strongly that I know in my life I've pulled things in the center and, man, they never belonged there. And this illustration runs flat because if I left that thing there long enough, what would happen? It would put it all the way out and extinguish it, right? That will never happen with God's Spirit. It will never happen with God's Spirit. If God's in there, He will not be quenched out but sometimes in our theology and the way that we think things through, we start to get really uh, systematic and we've got it all kind of put together. And I think that's well and good and right. But here's the deal. God used these words to help us understand who he is. And he's saying, you can quench the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead that's in you. You can quench it. Paul is telling us that. And we need to not do that. We need to take the things out of your heart and out of the center that are quenching the fire in a way that they, in a place that they were never meant to be. The last thing is this, and as I know you guys love all this little show and tell and stuff, we resist the spirit. He's trying to guide us and we pull against him. We go our own way. I'm really smart. I'm an American that kind of has things figured out. We've got opportunity all around. We quench it. The last one is this. We grieve the Holy Spirit of God. We grieve him. Ephesians 4, 30. Everyone say grieve. Grieve. We grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Uh, so my last kind of little illustration for us, resist, quench, grieve. Why do we not feel God's presence? We resist him, we quench him, we grieve him. It's the Bible. It's what the Bible said. Here's the deal, guys. Grieve. Uh, I don't need you guys to raise hands, but I want you to think about this for a second. Has anyone ever lost a friend or a loved one to death? They died. We think about that person and we think about that relationship. We grieve, right? Man, it could be years ago that a person left us on earth and we grieve them. I want you to connect with this on an emotional level because God himself is using emotional language for himself. And we say, well, and I grieve so-and-so. Why do you grieve them? Because I had a relationship with them and it was unique. I don't have that relationship like I had with them that, with anyone else. It was unique. It was special. It was profound. They brought out in me things that I didn't even know were there, right? They they did things. When we were together, there was joy. When we were together, we got things done. And they're not here anymore, and so we grieve them. You know, the people might not even have died, but just friends that we had years ago, and, and we're not with them anymore. 
and we grieve. And I want you guys to understand that God grieves us when we are far from him. It's his language, not mine. God grieves us, a holy God. Genesis chapter one, he creates the earth, right? Verse two, his spirit is there. Pentecost, Acts chapter two, his spirit comes down, it dwells within us throughout human history. He's been glorifying himself and he wants a people group to call his own and we resist him and we quench him and he grieves. He just flat out gets sad. And this is, this is no good. This is no good. And he promises us that he won't leave us or forsake us and that is some really, really good news. When I think about... Uh, kind of the gravity of this, that God in a ministry of his spirit, he wants to comfort, counsel, and convict us. And we resist him, we quench him, and we grieve him. And some of you, I just want to answer this question and this idea, because man, I've had lots of conversations over the years, lots. I'm a talker, you guys get to know me. Uh, I love, you come on over to my office, we'll chit chat, and it'll be awesome. Uh, But here's the thing, the people who say, I don't, I never really sensed God's presence, man. I, don't, I, I just have never really sensed that he was close to me. And I made some decisions and I try to be good and I learned some stuff from the Bible. I just haven't sensed his presence. And I want you guys to consider this. <clears throat> and I'm gonna maybe get loud again right here. God is not a bad dad. He's not a bad dad. He's not an absent father, right? Started a family and got some kids and left them. And I think when you make the proclamation that God just, he just isn't, I just don't feel him and I just don't think that he's around and I just don't think, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. And we're resisting, we're quenching, we're grieving and then we're saying, I don't even know if he even interacts with me like that. And I'm here to say he's not a bad absent father who started a family and some kids and left them. He doesn't do that. That's a bad dad. Our society would look at that dad and say, that's a, that's a bad dad. Or how about the absent father who, well, he's around, but he just kind of comes home after work and he sits in his chair and he looks at his family and his kids and he's got some will and he's got some desire for his family and how it ought to work, but he doesn't say anything. He just kind of sits there quietly judging them. Is that our dad? Is that our father? No. That's a bad dad who sits abstract from his family, just watches them quietly judging. I wish they'd just figure some stuff out. I, I wish they'd just read the book. I wrote a book and I wish they'd just read it. They'll figure it out. It's not a bad dad. I had a, a, a home group and we were talking about some of these concepts and my wife, who's awesome, who's here, so I'm gonna give her props for it. She just kind of blurted out, he's a rad dad. And I'm like, oh yeah. He's not a bad dad. He's a rad dad. Our God loves us so much that he came down off the throne. He entered into humanity. He lived a life like we live. He experienced and grieved and pains and so forth that we experience. The shortest verse in the Bible that people who don't know much about the Bible love to throw out, like Jesus grieved, Jesus wept. I know the shortest verse. It's because he was grieving, right? He had a friend and his friend died. Our God experienced that. He knows what it's like. He comforts, counsels, and convicts his people. He didn't start something rolling and run off and leave us on our own. And here's the deal. I want you guys to really think about this. Waukee Community Church, the awesome believers of Waukee Community Church, this is why I want you guys to consider this. You guys are on the cusp of larger and greater opportunity in your community. That is happening. Am I, am I wrong in saying that? <laughs> I mean, am I, where's the elders at? Am I wrong to say, you guys are on the cusp of greater opportunity in this community. 
You guys have been giving and praying and strategizing and serving how you could build this facility to bring more people to, to, to an understanding of this good and awesome God, not a bad dad, not an absent father, a, a father who's closer to us than anyone who's come inside to dwell in us. And I'm here to say, guys, if you are not listening to the Holy Spirit of God, you're gonna miss opportunity like crazy. And if God has been tugging on you slightly to do something or to get involved, to prayerfully consider your ministry that he breathed new life into you to start. If you miss that, I am only saying you are missing kingdom work, God's good work. And I don't care your age. Like retirement doesn't factor here. I'm too young and little. That doesn't factor here. And, and I am like excited and pumped. And when Dave asked me and I started to pray a little bit, I had another thought, message that I thought I'd do. I'm like, no, man, this is it. This is it. Because you can't escape it. I know God leads his people. The rope is always tight. He's always instructing. And so I'm here to just ask you and beg with you and plead with you, what is it that the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to his kids at Waukee Community Church as you look forward in the cusp of large kingdom work and impact and what you're gonna do? And I'm not gonna diminish for a second what's been done because you're building a platform by which you're gonna stand on and you're gonna continue to move forward in God's kingdom work. You're on the cusp of something big. And it's not the cusp of like, well, some people gave some money and some people worked. It wasn't that. It wasn't that. It was your rad dad came into the hearts of men and women and said, we're going to do something. Don't you know there are people grieving all around and they're dead and they're lost in their sins and they're separated from God. And God says, I'm an awesome dad. I've given you the best message you've ever heard. And it's found in the word. And you've got it. And you've got your whole, the Holy Spirit inside you. I'm not just looking at Dave and he's the leader and I'm going to come and go. I'm in all of you. I'm going to empower you to do something. You guys hearing me right now? Hope you're hearing me. Uh, I, I, I pray for you guys uh, every time you come to mind, like Paul says. Every time you come to mind, it's like, man, this is sweet. Uh, the community's growing around you, isn't it? And God put you here. It wasn't some smart dudes that just thought something out. It was, God put you here. It's bigger than just a couple of humans doing some stuff. It has to be. Uh, we have a rad dad who is great. And uh, the last slide I think that I've got up there for you is, how, are you numb to the spirit? Uh, to just think about this, maybe you take your picture or take your notes or whatnot because you're going to be thinking about this. What is God asking you to do and you're resisting? Uh, what have you pulled into the center of your life that's quenching God in you? Has it gotten so bad God grieves you? And, uh, and here's the deal. If you have some questions, I want you to ask the godly counselors around you, Right? Some people get some really crazy ideas and they're like, God's telling me to do this. Like, no, that, is no, that is contrary to the word of God, right? So God gives us more than just his word and his spirit and godly counsel. He's using all three of those things. So ask some people if you're like, man, I know I'm getting stirred, but I don't know what to do. Talk to some of the people around here and uh, you guys will move forward in the strength of the Lord. Uh, let's, let's pray today and we'll close up. Lord, thank you so much for who you are. God, we're very grateful to you. How could we not be? In our sin and separation from you, Lord Jesus, you loved us so much that you came and you gave yourself for us, Lord. We never had to be perfect, Lord. You were perfect for us. We just have to repent from our sin and turn to you, Lord. The God who shed his very blood, who gave everything that he had to give, his very life. And Lord God, you resurrected and that spirit is in us for your glory. 
Lord, I'm praying for this church body. I'm praying, Lord, that you encourage them with your spirit, Lord, that you comfort them, that you give them some guidance and some wisdom and some direction, Lord, because if you speak to them, they will have confidence moving forward in that. But there won't be confidence if they think that it's just on them. It's on you, Lord Jesus. It's on you. Lord, if there's someone here that has never repented and turned to you, God, I pray that they feel so uncomfortable right now because they need you, Lord. They need you and that they would stop and and just look upon your cross and these truths that we've been talking about, Lord, and that they would uh, give their very life to you, Lord, to guide and direct for your glory. We thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you desire to do in us. And uh, thank you, Lord, for the great work that has been done through the multitude of witnesses here at Waukee Community Church, Lord. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.